You're listening to the Heart of Giving podcast with Art Taylor, powered by BBBgive.org. Here we explore the motivations that form the basis of giving and service. We inspire generosity and celebrate the transformative effects that giving and service have on the human spirit and on community. The conversations featured on the podcast also uncover giving strategies that educate and provide tools to help listeners make impactful gifts of both their time and money. We hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to the Heart of Giving podcast, powered by BBBgive.org. Give.org is the nation's standards-based charity evaluator, and it's your one-stop source for information on giving and reports on the most asked about charities. I'm Art Taylor. Yesterday was Memorial Day, and it is a day when we remember those who made the ultimate sacrifice for us for those of us who survive, for those of us who live in a nation bounded by freedom, for those of us who have the ability to live out our lives in ways that we would not have, but not for their sacrifice. So we remember them, we honor them, and we take this moment so that we never forget the sacrifice that they made. And we we should also, I think, acknowledge that they left behind here with us some who continue to carry out their legacy in different ways. Some continue to serve in the military. Some now retired from the military and are doing different things to serve and to make our nation and the world better. And so I thought we would acknowledge this great sacrifice that so many have made of their lives by pointing out the work that continues to go on, I believe in many cases, because of what they created when they gave their lives. This desire that many people have to make their lives meaningful and to put service and others above themselves. Many do that individually, of course, but also we know that there are many organizations who have people in them who either served alongside of people that we know who passed away, who were killed in the military action, or those who have in some way continued to serve us in these organizations. And we want to talk about some of them today because they're doing some amazing work that I know would make those who have gone on to glory very proud to have experienced their friendship and their collegiality. So today we want to talk about some of these organizations and you'll hear throughout this podcast some great organizations and I hope maybe in their honor you will begin to support some of them if you don't know them already. So I hope you enjoyed this. I hope it inspires you to do what you can 
in honor of those who created this world for you through their service. I hope you'll find ways to give back in their honor. Ambassador Alfonso E. Lenhart. So you you go about um, obtaining your high school diploma and um, you, you enter college. And then somehow um, you're um, sidetracked by this 31 year military career. Well, How did a, that happen? that's a question I'm often asked, you know, uh, because um, when you uh, raise, uh, rise to the rank of uh, a general, people think that somehow or another you, you, you engineer that and that uh, you have a purposeful plan uh, laid out. Well, in my case, I did not join the Army. I was drafted into the Army. And I was drafted because um, in 1965, I did not uh, attend the fall semester of college. I was a rising junior, and I dropped out uh, that uh, semester in order to get married to my lovely bride. Well, little, uh, little did I realize that the draft board and the registrar's office at uh, the college had such a close working relationship that uh, when I got married on the 2nd of October, 1965, on the 10th of October, I had a draft notice. And uh, on the 5th of November, 1965, uh, I was in the Army. It happened that quickly. And what uh, occurred more than anything else is that I, I, much like my mother you know, taught us, bloom wherever planted. Do the best you can wherever you find yourself. And so I was enthralled. I, I, I liked the Army. Uh, it challenged me in ways uh, that uh, I had not been challenged physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. And it was something that um, I took to, you know, um, quite well. And uh, But I never made a conscious decision to stay in the Army as much as mom's uh, little maxim, bloom wherever planted, um, I found myself being promoted. I found myself being uh, sent to uh, schools of various descriptions and you know, trainings. And so it was that um, later on, as I thought about it, um, you know, I was having so much fun that put me in a position to rise um, and move throughout the ranks. And so that's how it, that's how it occurred. Uh, well, that's fascinating to hear you talk about um, enjoying the military, although I know many people love their careers in the military, so that's not unusual. But to hear you say that service can also be enjoyable is really important for people to understand because so often we think of service as sacrifice. And clearly in your case, service may have had some sacrifice, certainly because as a young man, you, you had to leave your wife and um, be apart from time to time. And maybe there were other sacrifices you had to make. But by and large, listening to you talk, obviously you enjoyed being in the military. And so it wasn't as much of a sacrifice as people sometimes yeah, service think Service is not a sacrifice. Uh, when you consider the benefit that uh, you are in a position to provide for others, you know, the one thing that um, growing up, again, using my uh, my background, my training, my development, uh, I mentioned Boy Scouts, I mentioned being an acolyte in the church. 
it was always about how could you help others? How could you do more in life? And so when I say that I enjoyed it, I enjoyed the sense that I, the, the satisfaction, the return that I got in helping others. Uh, there were many sacrifices um, that um, certainly I made in, uh, in the Army, uh, service in Vietnam, uh, in other um, hazardous, dangerous places in the world. But it was always the notion that um, we were helping other people. We were giving more to them than they otherwise would have had. And that is a great return. That is a great investment in oneself, one's sense of being, sense of um, doing something that's larger than you. Michael Lennington, who is the CEO of the Wounded Warrior Project. The first question I have for you is, how meaningful is this to you to be able to transition from a career in the military where you were serving us to now this new form of service in a nonprofit sector? Art, I'll just tell you, it's the greatest honor of my life. And thanks for having me on. Being in the military for 35 years, graduate from West Point. My wife's a West Point graduate. We were both in the military. Our son's in the military, still serving on active duty. We moved 23 times in 35 years. And leaving the military was, it was a sad time for us. So continuing to serve in a veteran service organization that gives back to those that have made great sacrifice on behalf of our nation is a great honor and a privilege and something I take quite seriously. Well, I'm sure you do. And I know you come across many people who you're able to help and that commitment that you're bringing is surely appreciated. Mike, how is Wounded Warrior doing these days? I know you had to come over. You had to overcome a bit of a struggle there uh, some years ago when you took over. How are things at the organization right now? Art, we're doing very well. We're serving more wounded ill and injured service members, their families and caregivers than ever before. In fact, we're still growing in terms of the number we serve. We're growing 45 a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year that are reaching out to us asking for help. And that's how I measure success. I measure success in how many folks we're serving and what's the impact we're having on those we serve. And it's been a tough, tough year and a half for our veterans. COVID restrictions that isolated those that are already isolating, and I mean primarily those that are struggling with the trauma of having been in combat is a difficult thing. So we've had to shift our programs to virtual programming, and now we're back to doing largely in-person, 80% in-person, but 20% virtual and reaching thousands and tens of thousands of wounded service members and family members every day in the programs we provide. So I'm grateful for the support of the American people, and I'm certainly grateful for the other partners. Brent Cooper, Executive Director, Green Beret Foundation. Our Green Beret Foundation provides special forces soldiers and their families with emergency, immediate, and ongoing support. So essentially, we fill in the gaps and provide the much-needed uh, financial and non-financial resources for the things that the military doesn't cover. For active duty, separated, 
and retired U.S. Army Special Forces, otherwise known as Green Berets. So to just unpack that a little more, we assist in helping ill, injured, and wounded Green Berets. We provide specialized medical devices and alternative therapies, family support to include educational scholarships for children, critical transition support, including guidance with VA benefits and claims, and ensuring our gold star and surviving families' needs are fully met. So essentially, no matter what the need is, we have the ability to help cover the financial cost of whatever need they are encountering, or we can provide them the appropriate resource to get them the help that they need. Mariah Smith, board member and development director, No One Left Behind. So for years, No One Left Behind has been involved in the process of assisting our Afghan and Iraqi special immigrant visa recipients. And these are the folks that worked with the U.S. military in Iraq and Afghanistan and then were eligible for a program called the Special Immigrant Visa that allows them to come to the U.S. as permanent residents and work towards their citizenship. So for years, we've been helping them with resettlement to the U.S., but we shifted uh, just a few weeks ago to helping them evacuate from Afghanistan. What do you think is the scope of the problem? How many people are currently, in your estimation, at risk? I know this wasn't something we planned to discuss, but I'm just curious. For a few years, we had tracked that the American government had about 20,000 Afghan translators that had applied for special immigrant visas and were trying to come to the U.S. That has always been our core mission to help these people whenever they do get their visa and come to the United States. We also advocate for the simplification of the process. But now, given the dangerous instability in Afghanistan, the need has bloomed to tens and tens and thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people. What America is going to decide, what the U.S. is going to decide as far as refugee status and who they're bringing into the country or who they're going to help evacuate and resettle is still a little bit up in the air. But we anticipate thousands of Afghan families arriving to America that will need help with resettlement. Dan Kleppel, CEO, Vet Jobs, Corporate America Supports You. Our mission is to get the veteran, military member, guardsman, or reservist into the best job possible. We always advocate for the applicant. We don't take money from the applicant or from HR departments. What is your organization's biggest strength? I believe that that's our people because we are military serving military. Using great technology from IBM, we offer one-on-one -on -one help in getting the best job possible for the applicants. Deborah Kleppel, founder and president, Military Spouse Corporate Career Network, and Military Spouse Jobs. We want to break the barriers and the obstacles that military spouses and caregivers to war wounded and military kids of working age face when they're in the job market for gainful employment that pay them a livable wage. We don't stop the mission there. We have technologies donated to us by IBM for the life of the program that tracks every metric from resume inception to job placement to their career progression. How does collaboration play a role in increasing your organization's impact? 
we knew early on that we needed four important partner groups for jobs. We partnered with thousands of military supportive employers. For military spouse candidates, we earned Memoranda of Understanding, MOUs, from all branches of the armed forces, including Guard, Reserve, and Coast Guard. Then we needed the funding, and we partnered with significant charitable foundations and personal donors. Amy Palmer, President and CEO, Soldiers Angels. Soldiers Angels provides aid and comfort to our service members, our wounded heroes, and veterans of all generations. Well, Soldiers Angels has really been focusing the last few years on veteran support. This year, we actually started some new programs, which we're really excited about. And we're providing canteen vouchers for veterans who can't afford to eat in the cafeteria. We're also offering transportation services for veterans who can't get to and from appointments. And then we're also doing um, homeless veteran housing packs for veterans who get a new home for the first time. Some of them have been homeless for many years, so we're providing housing packs to give them all the basic essentials they need to move into a new place. What are some of the biggest challenges you face serving the men and women of the armed services and their families? One of the biggest challenges for Soldiers Angels is, of course, the need. There's more need than there are resources to meet the need. And, you know, service members have been deployed for many years now since 9-11, multiple deployments, some of them 12, 13 deployments by now. And so they come home and they become veterans and they have so many needs for additional services. Lieutenant General Robert Rourke, President and CEO, Marine Corps Scholarship Foundation. Well, our mission is to honor Marines by educating their children. Uh, we were founded in 1962, and since then we've awarded over 40,000 scholarships worth $125 million. Uh, we're finding that uh, partnering with other military nonprofits is important because one of our biggest challenges is to find eligible students. Um, it's also important to be able to partner with military nonprofits because what we've learned with the, the amount of events we do, and we do about 30 events a year, is that it's absolutely essential for fundraising. We also try to connect those students more with the companies that sponsor their scholarships through things like internships. Well, I hope that you've appreciated what you've heard from these many people who represent thousands of others who continue to live out their lives through service. And many of them do this because they are remembering those who gave their lives in service to us. I know many are inspired to support and serve our country in different ways now because they know that there are families out there who had to grieve the loss of a military service person killed in action. And they want to remember that sacrifice. They want to mark that sacrifice by making sure that their lives continue to be of service to others. And you've heard some great examples on this show today, and there are many more. But in every case that I presented, these are organizations and people who could use your help. And maybe one way for you to mark and remember the sacrifice that many made 
so that we could have this great nation that we call America. I hope you'll remember that they can use your help and that maybe you can dig into your pockets and give a little money. Or maybe you can find a few hours to volunteer your time. Or maybe you have some things that others can use. Maybe we can use Memorial Day to, of course, remember those who sacrificed their lives, but to also make it a small sacrifice on our behalf to give something that we have so that others can benefit and our nation can continue to be strong and grow strong. Thank you for listening. I hope that you'll listen to all of our episodes by finding us on all major podcast platforms. And if you'd like to support the Heart of Giving podcast with a donation, we certainly would appreciate that. You can go to give.org, G-I-V-E dot O-R-G, and make a donation to the BBB Wise Giving Alliance so we can continue to do programming just like this. We'll see you next time. You've just listened to the Heart of Giving podcast with Art Taylor. Be sure to tune in next time for a brand new episode. To listen to our other interviews, visit heartgiving.podbean.com. That's heartgiving.podbean.com. Subscribe to our show on major podcast platforms. The thoughts and opinions expressed on this podcast are the views and opinions of the guests, not those of the BBB Wise Giving Alliance or program affiliates. This podcast is for information and educational purposes only and is copyrighted with all rights reserved. This podcast is protected by Podbean's Terms of Service.